Professor Helwig, very soon after the first shock um, about the financial crisis um, kind of got a bit better or receded, we heard comments about reforming the financial system and a lot of the discussion was about trading off financial stability versus economic growth. You very vigorously opposed this view in um, your book The Banker's New Clothes. Can you tell us a bit about this? We shouldn't think of regulation as just harming growth. Uh, the worst damage to growth and to lending was done in the fourth quarter of 2008 when we had a very sharp breakdown which caused enormous damage and that was due to a lack of regulation, was due to a lack of equity in banks, allowing banks to withstand the losses from uh, the subprime crisis in the US which as such actually was not so large. It was just that the banking system was highly interconnected and very vulnerable and regulation that would have made the banking system more robust would have prevented that downturn, which by the way is still haunting us. Growth still has not recovered to its pre-crisis values. So um, Professor Helwig suggests um, uh minimum equity level calculated on total assets of between 20 and 30 percent. What are your views on, on this point? Well, I, I wanted to make a question, Professor Heulich. Uh, what are your views related to the fact that maybe putting too much emphasis on the banking sector regulation risk might have migrated to other parts of the financial system? We've had much of that even before the crisis and much of that happened on the boundary of the regulated system, such as letterhead entities, so-called special purpose vehicles, being used by banks for activities off their balance sheet with full liability, but without any backing by equity. That's a question of enforcement. If we think about other parts of the financial system, such as hedge funds, I wouldn't actually uh, be displeased to see some migration towards them. If I look at the balance sheet of, say, Deutsche Bank, only about half of the balance sheet is traditional banking business and half of the balance sheet is hedge fund business, except that they have the too big to fail guarantees from the taxpayer as they are competing with the hedge funds and they only have 3% equity. I'd much prefer some of that business to be with regular hedge funds whose creditor banks would make sure that they have a lot of equity and a lot of capacity to absorb losses. The other question, monetary policy, I definitely agree that the Greenspan put was a huge problem. Uh, I can also see how the central bank's willingness to support the financial system <coughs> may give rise to a new mispricing of risk. 
except the authorities, and by that I mean the regulator, regulators and the governments, have left the central banks in the lurch by not having enough of a cleanup and by not having enough of a reform on banking regulation. So in your view, uh, is the financial system safer now after all the regulatory reform that is being implemented and, uh, or not? It's a little bit safer, though some of that may also be due to the banks still licking their wounds. But if the reforms had been implemented as of 2000, we still would have had the crisis and the crisis would st still have been very bad. In particular, on too big to fail, we haven't made much progress. So from a lawyer's perspective, you could say one of the problems is we have experts writing very sophisticated regulation and then we have lawyers who earn even more who have years to try and find loopholes and take the regulation apart again. So in that light, do you think there's a special role, and I'm interested in both of your views, is there a special role for corporate governance, so shaping the incentives of the regulated entities rather than trying to solve everything through regulation itself? Do you think there's a strong role for governance in um, the stability of banks? There definitely is a strong role for governance. This is actually why uh, my co-author Anil Atmati and I are very much in favor of having much higher equity requirements. Equity provides for shareholder liability, reduces the too big to fail problem, and improves governance. This is a regulation that doesn't require the regulator to get involved with the bank's actual business, only with the bank's funding, whereas uh, other types of regulation, for example, uh, structural regulation requiring a separation of commercial and investment banking, get into the bank's business. And I'm not sure that regulators are so good at that. Uh, I also believe that equity regulation is not enough. Some governance regulation related to incentive schemes, related to risk accounting, is also necessary. I fully agree with Professor Siolin's uh, view. I also believe uh, that uh, in addition to improving the positions in equity, uh, there could be complementary regulation focusing on uh, payments of uh, bank managers. You mentioned earlier um, the role of monetary policy in this um, sphere. Now, in Europe, we are awaiting the decision of the European Court of Justice um, in relation to Mario Draghi's promise to do whatever it takes, so the OMT program, um, and, and perhaps even more interestingly, what the German court will do with that. Now, um, we know that Professor Helwig is as he said, grudgingly in favor of um, the OMT program. What, what do you think about um, the ECB's role in solving the sovereign debt crisis? In my view, the, there's been a, 
uh, a political issue in Europe to move ahead with some of the reforms that, in my view, could have made the, the, the financial system safer. And I think that the ECB is trying to do its best within the, the constraints that it has faced. I think that the options are not many and within the context they have done a good job. The question is uh, how long can we continue uh, with a process that continues incentivizing the mispricing of money and obviously the mispricing of various assets. Do you also agree that the political dimension of this problem is somewhat underplayed or underdiscussed? Governments have never really tried to analyze what the problem is. As of May 2010, it was just a liquidity problem and markets were too expensive, market funding was too expensive for Greece. In October, no November, it was going to be creditor bail-in private sector involvement. A month later, when markets reacted panically, private sector involvement only in cases of in insolvency, not in cases of illiquidity. Four months later, private sector involvement now. Three months after that, a haircut of 21%. A few months after that, the haircut was at 50 to 70%, depending on how you count. That's not what I would call development of a sustainable strategy. And if I look at development since then, the story uh, is no different. Uh, governments have been hampered by populism at home and an unwillingness to come out forthrightly about the costs of what they were doing. So instead, they've left the ECB to do important parts of the job. Now, the ECB is not in the business of funding governments, but, but the ECB is in charge of the monetary system. And part of that are the banks. So if the turbulence coming from government finance upsets the monetary system, uh, the ECB is automatically involved. This is why right away, they, in May 2010, they had the securities markets program. This is also why in 2011, they introduced the long-term refinancing operation, by the way. Uh, that's an occasion where they, they provided 1 trillion euros in additional funding to banks, and much of that went to governments, uh, except there were no legal proceedings. The problem with OMT, outright monetary transactions, is it provides for a fragmented approach to intervention. Buying this country's debt, buying that country's debt, and the countries have to be in a certain structural program that gives rise to a lot of controversy about one, co one country profiting from the ECB and the other not.
On the other hand, uh, at that time, we did have, and we still have, highly fragmented monetary systems. The example given at the time was two factories, one uh, on the, the north side of the Brenner Pass in Austria, the other on the south side of the Brenner Pass in Italy, actually also German-speaking. One has an interest rate on loans of 3%, the other has an interest rate on loans of 8%, uh, even though they're in the same business. And the regional governments are both doing very well. In the case of Italy, of course, banks were lending to the government, and there was financial repression uh, making them lend to the government. Banks' own funding cost was high. So uh, fragmentation was uh, a matter of fact. And one could see the argument, despite the uh, distribution issues, that targeted intervention in certain countries uh, might be the right way to go about it. But when I said I was grudgingly in favor, grudgingly because I saw uh, all the problems. Now with hindsight, actually I think the major problem about this OMT is that it's been spectacularly successful. Uh, what do I mean by that? Without even a single transaction, it has quieted down the markets and it has led to interest rates which are on the order of 0 to 2% for medium to long-term government bonds all over. Uh, with those kinds of interest rates, the banks that hold the stuff cannot earn profits. So if you think about banks borrowing short to lend long or to hold government bonds uh, in order to earn profits, uh, OMT has actually uh, delayed the uh, resurrection of banking sectors. Thank you both very much. Thank you.